Talking to Richard Clorman, an editor at Time magazine, he proclaimed, Elvis Presley is the greatest cultural force in the 20th century. What about Picasso, Clorman wondered. This kind of parrying was common at the Time Life building. No, Bernstein insisted, it's Elvis. He introduced the beat to everything, and he changed everything. Music, language, clothes. It's a whole new social revolution. The 60s came from it. In terms of style, there were three distinct Elvises. The 1950s hillbilly cat beloved by fans is considered the purest Elvis. In his slouchy Lansky jacket, Presley played country rube to New York City television audiences. The 1960s Hollywood Elvis, on screen he plays race car drivers, roustabouts, twins, presented a more clean-cut, some would say neutered, Elvis, acceptable to middle America. And finally, there was the 1970s Vegas Elvis, the glitz, the glamour, the behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Elvis is no longer the wide-eyed country boy happy to be here. Spend enough time in Oz, and you just know there is some heavy stuff going down. In Bill Ballou's hand-studded jumpsuits, Elvis is no longer a singer but the greatest entertainer in the world. He is, quite simply, the king of rock and roll. Elvis blew into the complacent center of the 1950s and tore them apart. Like Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly, and Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, three other style icons of the 20th century, he came along at precisely the right time. Television, then in its infancy, and the first teenagers with spending money and a worldview apart from their parents, joined forces to make Elvis a star. Asked why he became the phenomenon he did, Elvis said humbly, the people were looking for something different, and I came along just in time. I was lucky. Elvis's style worked because it came from his life. Presley, possibly the most distinctive-looking and sounding man in the entire world, was no publicist's creation. Instead, he lifted his style, which was essentially himself, from Beale Street, Church, the Army, Hollywood, and finally Las Vegas and the Road. No one looked like Elvis before he came on the scene. He was a stunning original, a shambling Memphis Beau Brummel, the bad boy, albeit with very good manners because his mother would have killed him if she thought he was getting a big head, a southern James Dean who reached audiences through his music. Elvis had a keen visual sense not only in how he presented himself on stage, but in his homes, the cars he drove, the women he dated, even the guys who surrounded him. His pure idiosyncratic style was all the more remarkable because he was completely untutored. Elvis instinctively recognized the transformative power of clothing, and indeed his very life, to simultaneously draw attention to himself and set himself apart from others. Dean Martin, the level-headed golf-addicted rat pack crooner Elvis idolized, also recognized this. In a tuxedo, I'm a star, he said. In regular clothes, I'm nobody. By high school, Elvis was using his wardrobe as an extension of his personality. A shy, dreamy boy with few friends and no discernible talent or ambition, he wore lace shirts when other boys his age wore khakis and madras shirts, refusing to cut his hair to play on the football team. Presley came to think of himself as a freak, set apart by the superstardom of his life and all it demanded of him. His talent was so extraordinary, his rise to fame so absolute, that nothing in his past or his family's past prepared him for it. 
But then again, what could possibly prepare anyone for that almost crippling kind of attention? Unlike some celebrities who hide from the public's attention, Elvis believed he owed everything to his fans. During the 1950s, whenever a teenager was reported missing, the local Memphis police checked the front gates of Graceland in case she had run away. Elvis always stopped to sign autographs and pose for pictures, no matter how tired or busy he was, reasoning, after all, that they made it all possible. Elvis had an almost mystical relationship with his fans that continues to this day. By the end of his life, his connection with his audience was so absolute that there was no downtime for him. In the 1970s, he had his costume designer Bill Ballou designing his offstage wardrobe as well. Unlike other public figures who made very clear delineations between their public and private lives, by then there was no separation between Presley's professional and personal life. He was Elvis. Elvis affected history and in turn became history in a way that we who recognize his influence in fashion and music and cultural expectations do not. Today, he is so linked with a singular moment in time that he is also a stylistic adjective used to describe a manner of dressing, living, and even behaving. But while icons like Audrey Hepburn and Jacqueline Onassis, for example, are aspirationally associated with European couture filtered through classic East Coast style, for a time Elvis became the punchline of late-night jokes and cheesy impersonators, raucous living and zero impulse control. Except on stage or in the recording studio, to him the only places it mattered, Elvis did not have the personal discipline of Audrey or Jackie. But at the beginning of the 21st century, now that we are able to take a more studied view of Presley's extraordinary talent, which at the end of the day is what counts, really, this initial hasty opinion is finally being recast. The first thing that Elvis represents perhaps his most compelling contribution, even today, is freedom. Total, absolute, and utter freedom. Freedom from parents, crummy jobs, school, people who don't understand you. Elvis was not part of the establishment and never wanted to be. Instead, he created his own world. A man with a childlike personal conviction to do exactly as he pleased, and the money and creative imagination to back it up, Elvis lived a life millions of people fantasize about. To do what you want, be who you want, drive, escape, live the way you want. Elvis's voice, so intimate, so pure, awakened something in those who heard it and gave them the freedom to be themselves, too. Bruce Springsteen felt it. It was like he came along and whispered some dream in everybody's ear and somehow we all dreamed it. There is also Elvis's dark side, as necessary to his style, as his voice or his Cadillacs, for his darkness offsets his vast charisma. In the phrasing of his words we hear longing, regret for things he can no longer have, his twin brother, his mother, the perfect dream of home, lost innocence. How simple his desire must have seemed when he stepped off that truck and walked into Sun's studio, smiling shyly to the woman behind the desk. In Elvis we hear the longing of America, those lonely whistle stops, a dog barking on a country road, a man who got on stage and sang to 20,000 
who hated sleeping alone. This longing, this loss, both his and ours, the endless search to fill it, built this country. Finally, we see that Elvis is America, like rock and roll or blue jeans. For better or worse, he inhabits our energy, optimism, and good-willed rambunctiousness, as well as our short-tempered, childish, and occasionally violent side, and reflects it back to us as clearly as any mirror. As Jimmy Carter said, Elvis Presley was a symbol of the country's vitality, rebelliousness, and good humor. Elvis does not possess the disciplined, flawless French style of Audrey and Jackie, nor Cary Grant's cool Savile Row tailoring. How dull that perfection can be at times, after all. He was not a tiresome intellectual, but out on the road, searching, pushing forward, reaching the people. Elvis is not the voice of the city. We leave that to Frank Sinatra and Cole Porter. In Elvis, we hear the South, the West, church-going folk, truck drivers with one more haul to go before daybreak. Even today, Elvis speaks for them. Like the true America, Elvis is not properly schooled, but has unerring instincts, how to move an audience, but mostly how to sing. Jerry Lieber, who co-wrote Hound Dog, Loving You, and other hits, says, He had an incredible, attractive instrument that worked in many registers. He could falsetto like Little Richard. He could sing. The equipment was outstanding. His ear was uncanny. His sense of timing was second to none. Elvis singing to us. How intimate, like love, how trusting, that voice in your ear, leading you through the dark, our modern prayer. Through his songs and through his life, he can...